Welcome everybody to the Root Gospel Ministries. We're so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. Um, it's such a great opportunity to speak to you guys and to bring the word. I, I'm so glad that we're able to meet through YouTube, whether we're on YouTube or even in person, like uh, coming in a couple weeks. I'm just uh, really excited for what's to come in the future. And uh, I want to say a quick thanks to Sam for his uh, series on the Bible and just how important it was that he gave us such practical information about how to grow deeper in our relationship with Christ and, and learn more about the Bible through reading it and studying it and how important and imperative it is for our relationship with God. So this week I'm going to be opening up a new series. It's going to be titled Pride, uh, but we'll be talking about many different styles of pride and types of pride and, and lots of different, I guess we'll say, parts of pride. So this week is the first week. We'll specifically be introducing the topic in the series, and then we'll go a little bit more into what is sinful pride, specifically arrogance. And then we'll say the next week we'll do how God sees us, um, kind of a, a study on what self-worth is and what it means, and, and even what lack of self-worth means. Then we'll move to judgment, discernment, and comparison for the third week, and then legitimate pride to close us out. Now, in between these, uh, next week, actually, Sam will be giving a message on Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll actually be having a Thanksgiving party, and the details of that are to come. So I hope you guys can come if you're in town. If not, that's fine. Sam will be giving a message on it either way, and it will actually fit really well with our Pride series uh, to begin with. So I'm really excited about that, and I'm really excited for everything that will happen at the Thanksgiving party. I do, again, hope that you guys can come. But before I really get into this message, I'd like to say a quick prayer. So, uh, dear Lord, just thank you so much for this opportunity to come together, whether it's on YouTube or in person, like in a week or two, or, or even more over the summer when we'll be able to meet consistently in person. Just thank you for giving us all these different mediums to meet on. I'm, I'm so thankful just for this ministry that you've blessed Sam and I and other leaders, leaders with. It's just, you know, so awesome that you're able to work through us and that you take sinful people like us and, and make beautiful things like this ministry. Thank you for everybody that faithfully supports us and, and helps us out. Uh, they all mean so much to, to everybody here. Um, thank you for all the technology that makes this happen. And, and thank you for your word, of course. Without it, we, we wouldn't be able to do this. So thank you for giving us something that's a a good guide to learn more about you and, and to really see you in our lives. So thank you for all those things. I just want to praise you for being such a good and faithful God and, and thank you for sending your one and only son to, to die on the cross for us, just to save us, that how, how important we are to you. It's, it's just beyond belief. So, so thank you so much for your love, Lord. I, I pray that you can speak through me uh, this evening and, and just bring the word to the people that need to hear it. I am in no way qualified to give this message, uh, but I am so happy that you have given me the blessing to do so. In your name I pray, amen. Um, so, you know, like I just said in, in the prayer, I, I want to acknowledge that any message that I give through the Root or through Bible study, I am truly um, not qualified to give. I, I have no seminary degree or anything like that, but even more, I'm a sinner, and I make mistakes, and I sin all the time, and I am unworthy of the gospel. It's truly a gift, and I'm unworthy of this message as well. So I just want you guys to know that I, I felt, uh, I struggled writing this message. There's just 
so much information about pride in the Bible, but even more, it's something that I, I truly struggle with myself. And I want you guys to know that I'm no better than any of you in this struggle. I'm, I'm a student like you guys. I, I'm no different. Um, this is something that I learned quite a bit about while writing this message. And I think that might be one of the reasons why I was so passionate about writing it and doing this series. So again, uh, it, it's a blessing that I'm able to give this message and it's a blessing that I'm able to share the gospel, that, that God lets me uh, do such a, a wonderful thing. I, I um, in, in no way worthy or deserving of the positions that I've been gifted. So I just want to say that before I start. Um, and then, you know, like I said, we're talking about pride. So I think it's important before we kind of kick off this series to define what it is. So we've got two definitions coming up, one from dictionary.com, which I actually believe is pretty good. And it says, uh, pride is a high or inordinate opinion of one's own dignity, importance, merit, or superiority, whether as cherished in the mind or as displayed in bearing conduct. And like I said, I think that's actually a pretty good definition. Typically, I feel like dictionaries give a really academic definition, but not always um, the most biblical or applicable definition to our lives. However, I think that's pretty good. Yet, I still found it important that we kind of look in the Bible to see what the Bible has to say about pride and maybe kind of compile our own definition, I guess my own definition. But, you know, there's, like I said, there's just so much scripture on this topic that it was pretty difficult to kind of shape it down to one definition. So I did my best, and this is what I could come up with. So, uh, sinful pride is an attempt to exalt oneself to a position like God's. And I based most of that definition, or a lot of it, on Isaiah 2.17. So if you want to look that up, it's a great passage, Isaiah 2. It talks a lot about pride, so it would go really well with what we're learning today. So you know, you, this might lead you to kind of ask me a question or, or be questioning yourself, well, is all pride bad? Because I haven't heard it been used in, in only bad situations. I've heard it with good connotations. And I would say that you're exactly right asking that question. And I asked myself that question while I was studying this. And so what I want to start with is that there are going to be two types mainly of pride. There's going to be sinful pride and legitimate pride. We've got them on both hands. Now, of course, even these two types can't encompass all of pride, but they do actually a, a really good job. So first, let's kind of talk about uh, what the Bible has to say about legitimate pride. So first, we'll look at uh, Philippians 2.16, um, and it basically says, it, it says, Be a blameless child of God, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Um, and then uh, another one would be Galatians 6.14, where it talks about how we are called to boast uh, in the cross of Jesus Christ. So, you know, these are two, just two biblical examples of legitimate pride, but these are things that we can justify um, our pride in, right? Uh, it's important that we have uh, pride in what we do, in our labor. But it's more important that if we're going to have pride in what we do, that what we do is done with the right motives, that we labor out of love, as it says in 1 Thessalonians. Now, if we're not laboring with the right motives, then having pride in it is probably sinful. However, if we're actually laboring out of love, then that is something that we can truly take pride in. Um, so, you know, whatever it is, maybe a career or preaching the gospel or whatever it may be, as long as it's done out of love, then you may have pride in it. Um, furthermore, we said in, in uh, Galatians 6.14, this is um, something that we can't go wrong with. You cannot go wrong 
boasting in the cross of Christ. Uh, it, it's like you, you could take the, uh, the labor in vain part, you could probably take that wrong. You could probably go a little too far with that. However, in my opinion, you cannot take boasting in the cross too far. That is something that we are called to do. And, and you know, simply, I don't think that you can do wrong if you're boasting in the cross of Jesus. That, that is uh, something really important. But I, I got some more examples here. We have um, uh, uh, examples of legitimate pride. We've got having pride in Jesus uh, or the word, the gospel, in family members or even labor out of love. Um, so if we're talking about like family members or labor out of love, those are definitely, you know, it's important to have pride in maybe a spouse or, or a child, a son or a daughter. Um, yet those can go too far. You could go from legitimate to sinful. So, you know, what are some examples of, of sinful pride? And, and we've got a quick list right here. And this is more um, what the Bible talks about here. So we have arrogance, anxiety, lack of self-worth, judgment, comparison, idolatry, comfortability, and idleness, and of course many more. But that, that's just a quick list that uh, I kind of compiled from what I've read. So now we're kind of on this, uh, this idea of like where, what are we going to be talking about? Where does the Bible kind of, what story does this fit in? And, and actually uh, we'll be spending most of this entire series kind of based on Luke chapter 15, which is a, is a pretty uh, famous chapter, I, I might say. Yet uh, this week we're going to be on the third story in that, the third parable, and of course the second half of that parable. So I feel like it's important that we kind of know the context of this parable and um, that we know what happens in the first half of the story so we can kind of bridge that gap in the second part. So I, I wrote a quick summary of, of what happens, and then we'll really get into the scripture when we get to um, the, the second half, starting in Luke 15, 25. So I'm going to give a quick summary of Luke 15, 11 through 24. And this is how it starts. Basically, so this is the parable of the lost son, if you don't know the, the prodigal son. So it starts out and it says there are three main characters. We have a father and two sons. One's younger and the other's older. So we call them the youngest and the oldest son. So the youngest son asks his father, he actually, instead of asks, he demands his father that he gives his inheritance early. And, and at that time, the inheritance was most likely land and, and money, but essentially it's just wealth. So the father who's loving gives, you know, he, he goes with this demand and, and he gives his son the, the money and the land. And it says that this, this son, like not, not much longer, not much time has passed, he squanders all of this, this money and this wealth in wild living. And um, after he finds himself broke without any money, he, he hires himself out to a pig farmer where when he's feeling, feeding these pigs, he realizes that these pigs are actually eating more or better than he is. And he begins to kind of be jealous or envious of these pigs and the food that they're eating. Like, can you imagine? That's, that's, that's pretty low, I must say. I, I definitely have never felt like a, a pig is eating better than I am. So, you know, he, he it's kind of brings him to reality and realizing his brokenness and his brokenness, he, he resolves that, you know, it's probably a good time that he goes back home. And, and you know, maybe his father will give him a, a lowly position in the household as a servant or something of the sort. So he, he gets, he, he starts his journey, he's walking home and, and he kind of prepares this speech to ask his father for forgiveness and, and you know, oh, I'll just... 
I'll be a, a lowly servant or, you know, I'll do anything just as long as I can have a better life here because he knows his father treats his servants better than he was being treated as a pig farmer's servant, I guess. And so as, he, as he's walking, let's say that they've got like this super long driveway or maybe a road nearby their house and, and his father's out in the field and as he's walking down the driveway and he's getting kind of closer to home, his father sees him from afar and runs all the way out there. And of course, this implies that his father has been looking for him all this time. And his father runs out to his son and he, he embraces him and gives him a hug and receives him with joy, it says. And, and the son immediately is trying to use this practice speech about forgiveness and, and say like, Dad, you know, I'll, I'll take anything. I'll do anything. I, I'm so sorry. I've sinned against you. He's just kind of blurting all these things out in his speech. And almost immediately after he starts, his father interrupts him by asking the other servants to bring his son, his youngest son, a robe and a ring and to go kill the fattened calf because they're going to have a celebration because his lost son is now found. And, you know, now that's a, a wonderful story, right? And, and that's the first, we'll say, half of, of this parable. But what I, what I don't want to do is just kind of move on to the second half immediately. What I want to recognize is the gospel in this story. That's, it's very important that we see that part of the story. So uh, let's kind of apply it to our lives. So I think uh, we can say that God's given us some gifts. He, he, we have spiritual gifts. We have blessings. Maybe you were born into a, spir- or, uh, um, a Christian household or into a wealthy area. I don't know, whatever it may be. We were born with some gifts. And then we often take these gifts and we squander them in, in our own kind of style of wild living. It may not be the same as, as this son, but you know we'll apply it to ourselves, whatever your wild living might be. And then after we kind of hit rock bottom uh, and have a, a realization period, we're able to recognize that we are broke and broken. And then we resolve that we need to ask Jesus Christ back into our lives or into our lives for the first time. And every single time we do that, Jesus receives us uh, with a beautiful embrace and with a celebration in heaven. And, and he clothes us in, you know, we'll say robes in a ring, but whatever it may be, he always receives us with joy and a celebration. So now let's kind of get to uh, Luke 15, 25 through 32. And so I'm, I'm going to get my Bible right here and uh, well, I'll read it for you guys, of course. Um, let's see. All right. Um, Luke 15, 25 through 32. It says, this is NIV. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? The servant replied, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older son became angry and refused to come in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, All these years I've been slaving for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I can celebrate with my friends. But this son of yours, he has squandered all your property with prostitutes, and then he comes home, and you killed a fattened calf for him? And then his his father replies, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. Um, so, of course, that's also some a beautiful imagery, a beautiful parable spoken by Jesus and, and very important text. 
Um, so some things that we need to kind of recognize in this area is who is the audience? Who, who is Jesus talking to? This was spoken by Jesus in a parable. So the audience consists of tax collectors, of, it says sinners, which is kind of ambiguous because we're all sinners. And then it also says that, that we're, there were some Pharisees there. And um, I think that's just really important that there are Pharisees, especially because he, he's kind of talking directly to the Pharisees. And, and Sam actually taught me something really important, and, and that's that you know, we often read the Bible and we look at certain characters, we'll say the Pharisees in this circumstance, but sometimes the Israelites or maybe people like Jonah or Samson, and we're like, man, these people are bad news. They're like really big mess-ups, you know? They... They keep, you know, seeing Jesus or like for the Pharisees, like Jesus is right in front of them and they just, they just don't see it. Or Israel just like keeps giving up on God and, and turning to idolatry. It's crazy. Or even an example in Genesis, like Levi goes and kills this entire town. It's like, oh, I'm not that bad. You know, I might be bad, but I, I didn't go kill an entire city. You know, something like that. But what I want you to know and what Sam really taught me is that we are just as bad as as these characters in the Bible. They're in the Bible for a reason, and we are totally in these people. So let's kind of work to find ourselves in the Pharisees. And and it's especially important because we're talking about pride, maybe judgment in this circumstance. And pride is really a part of our lives, especially in this time period that we're in as students. You know, we have like social media, which encourages comparison or maybe grades or sports or even standardized tests, there's such an easy way to compare one another and, and to you know get pride. And, and many people have pride in many things. It kind of depends on what you're good at or maybe what you're bad at. And so you know maybe you're a really good football player. So every time you go to practice, you think like, oh, I'm better than everybody else on my team. Or maybe you're really smart and you got a 1600 on your SAT. You might think, well, someone that got like, you know, a 1200 isn't smart or something like that. Those are kind of some pretty simple but applicable uh, examples of pride in our lives today. So, you know, those are just some ways that we might be able to find ourselves in the Pharisees and, and the older brother in this story. So, uh, continuing on, of course, we said the older brother represents the Pharisees. Um, and this older brother kind of feels like he deserves some sort of celebration, right? He, he has worked so hard, he's been obedient that he, in some way, is worthy of a celebration from his father, right? And um, what, what the thing is, is the truth is actually that he hasn't done anything special. He's, all he's done is just merely what he's asked. He, he hasn't gone uh, above and beyond. He's just been obedient, as, as it says. And, and so, you know, and the thing is, not only has he been obedient, but, um, or just been obedient, but he's been obedient with the wrong motives. We kind of see that he's being obedient but expecting kind of some sort of recognition. He's not being obedient to his father because he loves his father. He's being obedient with some expectation that he should be recognized for his mere obedience, right? And, and the problem is, is um, he's actually lost. The, the older brother appears to be found. He, he looks on the outside like he's truly found, we'll say, or maybe saved, yet his pride is in the way. He He's not found, and, and it says, you know, the reason why he doesn't know that he's found is because his pride is kind of clouding his vision, so he's unable to see truly what's inside of himself and where his heart truly is. 
Um, and, and furthermore, let's notice the father still loves this older brother too. He, of course, you know, the story really focuses on how the father loves the younger brother, but the father still loves the older brother too. And, and something we can see is like he says the words, my son, which is kind of a term of endearment in that time. And he doesn't say like, yo kid, he's like, my son, like, I want you to see this. I still love you, even though you don't even know how bad you are. You're so bad that you don't even know. Uh, but of course, the father still loves. Um, so now let's kind of see how the Bible talks about sinful pride. So some other examples of biblical sinful pride are arrogance, exalting oneself, uh, presumption, um, or even maybe the indifference to others' needs. So like, what does this mean now? Let's, let's kind of see what uh, an, another pastor says. So I really like uh, someone named Francis Chan. I, I listen to his sermons quite often on YouTube. So he has a sermon titled, Pride is Killing You. And he said that if God hated one sin the most, it would be pride. Now, he didn't say that God does hate one sin the most, but he said that if God hated one sin the most, it would be pride. And, you know, that's kind of just his opinion. I, there's no really biblical backup. I mean, I guess there actually is pretty good biblical evidence. However, uh, you know, you can have your own opinion of whatever sin God might hate the most, but I think that he hates them all equally. But if God did have to choose one sin that he would hate the most, at least Francis and I would probably say pride. Now, let's kind of see some more about what the Bible says about this. In Proverbs 8:13, it says, the fear of the Lord is the hatred of evil. Uh, pride, arrogance, and the way of evil, oh, and perverted speech, I, who's the Lord, hate. And then um, in James 4, 6, we see, uh, and this is reference to 1 Peter 5, 5 and uh, Proverbs 3, 34. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And now we're kind of at this point, and you might be like, yo, Josh, this is all great. Thanks for all this wonderful information. But so what? So what? What, what does this mean? And um, I, I might answer, well, let's see what Paul has to say. You know, Paul's a pretty smart guy. So let's look in uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 7. And, and it says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? And, and Paul is really kind of hitting home for us now. He, he's really kind of digging in, right? He, he's asking some important questions. And, and these questions are, especially if you struggle with pride, are important and imperative to you kind of overcoming this, this situation. And, and I, I like to say that pride is more of a process, like sanctification. It's not going to happen immediately and you're like, oh, done with pride. It's a process. I don't know if we can truly remove all pride from us as humans, but we can always be striving to be more like Jesus, right? That's, that's what we're called to do. So I, I, I guess I compiled about three practical steps uh, of how we can continue to do what Paul says and, and join this process or work in this process. So first, we need to see um, that we need to recognize God's sovereignty, right? And, and what does that mean? I mean, God is all-powerful. He created the heavens and the earth, everything around you, every person in your life, even the most intricate details in this world, all were created by God. He has his hand in everything. Everything that you have worked so hard for has really been 
you know, through God that you've received it. You might have received your hardworking spirit or it still might have been a gift. Many different things, um, but they're all gifts from God and we need to recognize his sovereignty, like his overpower of, of everything. He's overall. Um, next, we want to relinquish what we're taking credit for or, you know, maybe what we're not giving to God. So, so first we've got recognize. Second, we got relinquish. So how can we relinquish things? And, and, and it's pretty simple. I think that the best way to do this is through prayer. And, and we have to recognize what it is that we're holding or taking credit for. And then we have to, you know, say to God, like, I, I understand that this is something that I take credit for, but it is in no way me, but it is all you. Um, and, and that's that's still a process too. Um, but even more, next we have repent. So we have recognize, relinquish, and repent. And when we repent, we need to move to righteous humility. That's what we're called to do in the Bible and Scripture. So when we, this, this is way, way easier said than done. I can't tell you that, you know, oh, it's just going to be simple. Like, I'm going to repent and go over here and turn off 180 from my pride. This is, this is something especially going to righteous humility that is just truly, truly difficult within the Bible and, and in our lives. Uh, but it is something that we're called to do. So uh, as we're called to be like Jesus, uh, we're supposed to be humble just like he is. So now we're kind of getting to the conclusion, and I mainly want to leave you with uh, a, an excerpt. It's from 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. So we'll, we'll get to that here. It says, <clears throat> But he, the Lord, said to me, Paul, My grace is sufficient for you. My, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I, Paul, will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening this week. I, I am so encouraged by your participation and all of your support. Uh, I'm really looking forward to what Sam has to say next week and the Thanksgiving party. If you guys have any questions or comments or just want to get uh, in contact with us, just look down in the description below and there will be plenty of ways to get incorporated with us. Thank you again. It's a blessing. Have a great week, guys.